My name is Jonathan Neef. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ Community. Um, glad you're here. Hope you had a Merry Christmas. I got to um, the joy of being with my family for Christmas a few days beforehand. We gathered together and got a family picture. There we are. So I'm, uh, I'm one of four, and then I've got four half-sisters. Um, we're all up, in, up there and significant others. It's kind of fun having um, younger siblings. My youngest half-sister is eight. It's, it's, it's fun having kids at Christmas because there's an excitement, right? There, there's a passion. And, and when you're there, I constantly would hear these things. I would hear, oh, come and see. Hey, Jonathan, come and see this. I just built this thing out of Legos. Or come and see this painting. Or come and see this thing that I made, right? There's come and see, come and see, come and see constantly, right? Or uh, someone shared with me after first service, well, for us grandparents, it's come and pay. And I thought, oh, well. <laughs> That's good, right? But, but you still end up hearing the come and see, right? And what is meant by this come and see? Well, it's, it's an invitation, isn't it? The kids are giving an invitation of come and join with me in something that I care about. Come and see something I'm passionate about. Like this is something worth sharing. I want you to see it also. Come and see. That is actually, that phrase, come and see, is what I hope we notice in this morning's passage. Come and see. It's an invitation to not just to something great, but to someone great. And we're going to stand and we're going to read the scriptures together. And I hope that as we read it, you can hear and look for some of that language of the come and the see. Would you be willing to stand with me as we read God's word? Our reading this morning comes from John chapter 1, starting in verse 35. It says, The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came, and they saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. And the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip. And he said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him, of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered, Before Philip called you, you were under a fig tree. I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Right? Hopefully you heard some of that come and see language, that invitation, that excitement, some of that passion. And uh, if, you're, if you're new here or if you haven't been with us the past couple weeks, I'd love to 
glue you in. We're, um, we're in a sermon series right now, That You May Believe. It's studying John chapter 1. It's our Advent series. It's what we're kind of working through. And part of what we've tried to see is that Jesus is both truly man and truly God. You see, at, at, we're going to discuss it a little bit later, but at that time in the day, people were doubting whether or not Jesus was actually man. They're like, well, we think he's God, but was he actually really a man? Or they were doubting that he was actually God. And they're saying, well, he was just a man. And John was still alive, and he's saying, I am an eyewitness. I can testify to Jesus and who he was. He is truly man, and he is truly God. He is both. And we see as John writes, he says, Jesus is the word who was made flesh and came to dwell among us. He is the light amidst the darkness. He is the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. And this morning, we're going to see that Jesus is the king, the king who deserves our allegiance. This is what, that's kind of what John has been working from, from his chapter. And he starts this prologue, he's, he's made his argument, and now the question kind of comes up, okay, so we're supposed to believe, that you may believe, that's the purpose. What does that look like? I mean, tangibly, what does it look like to believe? It's kind of a little bit abstract. What, what will that look like? And I hope that this morning in our text, through these two narratives that we read, and we're going to be able to see what does it mean to believe? What does that belief look like? What does it mean to believe? So that's what we're going to dive into. That's our roadmap for today. Uh, would you begin with me in prayer? Lord, we, Lord, I confess I do not have eyes to see on my own. Lord, I need you. Lord, I pray this morning that your spirit would be at work, that your spirit be the one convicting our hearts and opening your word before us. Lord, I thank you that your word does not return void. I pray that these words would not be my own, but that your word would do the work. Your spirit of God would move. And uh, Lord, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So we've kind of got this roadmap of where we're going. First thing I'd love for us to see, the first thing of what does it mean to believe? Well, come and see. We're going to discover together. The first thing it means to believe is that those who believe follow Jesus. Those who believe follow Jesus. So let's unpack what that means to follow Jesus. Let's look at our text. So we start off at the beginning here, and we have John. This is John the Baptist, standing with two of his disciples, two of his disciples, two of guys who are, who are learning under John. They're saying, we want to be like you, we want to learn from you. So they're standing with John, and John sees Jesus walk by, and it says, behold, the Lamb of God. And you're kind of thinking, didn't we preach this last week? Well, I mean, it is just a few verses earlier, so you're right. We did preach it last week, and Nathan did a great job. He said, this, this title, Lamb of God, stood for a couple things. It stood for our sin, it stood for... Uh, God's love, and it stood for Christ's victory. And they were, the people were waiting for a lamb. So when they heard this, those disciples, and they heard lamb, that might be some of what they're thinking. And that might give us a little bit of an insight into why they would abandon John and start to follow Jesus. Because it is, it is a little bit confusing, right? I mean, he just, Jesus walks by and John says something, and the guy's like, all right, well, John, see you later. We're going to go follow this guy. It's kind of like, really? Why? And even to add to that, John was, John was a pretty big stud himself. Like, if you know about John, like, he's out in the wilderness. He's wearing, like, camel hair. He's eating grasshopper, locusts. Like, I never do that, right? He's doing that in honey, and people are coming out to see him. He's railing against the authorities of the day. He's preaching something. People are drawn to this John the Baptist. They want to see what he has to say. And John points to another. And these two disciples say, wow, we're going to follow Jesus. And part of the text, I think, is leading us to be asking, who is this Jesus? What is so enamoring about him that people would leave John and follow Jesus? 
So the two disciples heard this. They followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And I love this question because it kind of has two, two levels to it, right? I mean, there's the natural plain reading of the text. Like, he's walking, and uh, someone starts following him. Kind of, hey, what are you doing, right? Like, why are you following me, right? It's kind of the natural question. What are you seeking? Um, seems like an, uh, a good question to ask. But there's also a deeper question where I think he is actually asking him, what is it that you really want? Why is it that you're following me? What is it you're here for? And that's not the primary application of this text, but I think it's a good secondary application for us to pause and to consider and think about for ourselves. Why are we here, right? Why are we here on this cold morning? Or do we come here because we feel like we should come here or because it's the thing we're supposed to do, right? Or or are we here because we hope to encounter Jesus? We hope to get to know and follow Jesus, right? And maybe you think I'm, I'm adding a little bit too much to, this, to, that, to that question. And, but actually, as we look at the book of John, the author does this all throughout the book, right? He's constantly doing this. He has Jesus arrive on the scene, do something miraculous. People start to follow him. He encounters them. He engages with them. And then he asks them this provocative question, getting at the heart of why people are following them, something to the effect of, why are you following me? What are you seeking? Are you, are you coming to know this Jesus in this story because I just performed some miracle and you want to grab on the power? Or are you here because you want to know me? Right? So just, just a thought for us, food for thought. What are we seeking? And then they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Kind of weird, right? Like maybe not what I would expect to see in the text. Like, hey, why are you following me? Well, where are you staying? All right. Um, But what's actually going on here is something really, really fascinating and cool. They're asking to be with Jesus. They're saying, we want to be with you. Uh, Jesus, it's getting late in the day. Where where are you staying? Can we come share a meal with you? Can we drink with you? Can Can we sleep in the same place you're sleeping? Can we listen to you as you talk? Can we talk to you and have you listen to us? Right? Can we just sit with you, Jesus? We want to be with you. We want to abide with you, right? That's what they're asking for. They're actually asking for an invitation for Jesus to extend to them hospitality. And hospitality is something we don't necessarily do as much in our culture, but in their culture, hospitality was of vital importance because their traveling was a lot different. And so when a foreigner or when an outsider or someone who you don't know comes to you and says, can we stay with you? It'd be rude not to accept them. But also, it was that, that was the invitation of, like, we want to be made an insider. We want to be made family. We want to get to know you. And actually, if you look at the story of Scripture, it's kind of fun. There are examples of hospitality going all throughout Scripture that show that people believe. When hospitality is extended to them, and then they accept that hospitality, that they are accepting and welcoming Jesus. Kind of a cool. Some of that imagery is no doubt going on here. As they say, we want, where are you staying? And then I love Jesus' answer. Come, and you will see. Right? There's that invitation. Right? There's this, come, be with me, and you will see. And part of this is, like, he doesn't just dismiss them. He doesn't say, oh, I don't really have time for you, or you're not important enough, or I've got other people to go and do, or I'm a busy man. I'm going to heal some people and cast out some demons. No, he says, come, be with me. He wants to know them and to be known by them. Right? God incarnate wants to know them and be known by them. He invites them to come and see. And then they are not left seeking and wanting. It says, 
Come and you will see. So they came and they saw. Like, boom, boom, right there. They encountered, met with, spent time with Jesus. And it says they, were, they stayed with him. That's actually the word for abide. They abided with him. And if you keep reading the book of John, he's constantly talking about abiding is how we know if you believe. How do we know if we believe? Abiding with Jesus, spending time with Jesus, seeking Jesus, wanting to be with Jesus. And that's kind of my first argument for what, is, what does it look like to believe? It means to follow Jesus. It means to desire to be with him. It means to take that cognitive information about Jesus and to desire that relational information to be with Jesus. That's what these guys were after. And for some of you, coming and following Jesus, coming and seeing, that might look like just being here on a Sunday morning. That's great. Glad you're here. For others of you, that might look like needing to start trying to intentionally pursue Jesus, right? It's, uh, it's the end of one year. It's the beginning of a next uh, Maybe not a bad time to start trying to pray and read your Bible on a more regular basis. Why? Not to, not to earn something, but to get to know a person. To come and see this invitation of someone worth coming and seeing. To get to know Jesus in that relationship through prayer and through Bible reading. And then maybe for others of you, you're like, hey, I, I do that regularly already. Like I'm, that's me, but it's a little stale. And to be honest and open with you, that's often where I'm at, Right? Like, I learn all this information about Jesus. Here I am preaching a text to you about Jesus and cognitive information I've got. But do I know my Savior? Do I want to just be with him? Do I get up and do I want to spend my day with him through conversation and prayer? Do I want to hear from him through his word? Am I trying to live and walk in the spirit? Right? We all need to daily follow Jesus, to abide with Jesus, to seek that person. That's part of what this text is getting after us for. What does it look like to believe in Jesus? Well, it looks like following Jesus, following him day after day. But that's not all we see in this text. I love that it keeps it going. So, yeah, what does it mean to believe? It means to follow Jesus, but it also means to tell others of Jesus, right? To tell others of Jesus. And this is the natural implication of what happens, right? You come and you get this awesome Christmas gift as a kid, and you're excited, and you want to share it with others. Hey, come and see this gift I just got. Come and see this person I just met, Right? And we see this throughout the book of John. This is what happens. People come and see Jesus, and then they go and tell others. Let's look. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first, I mean, it's almost like immediately, he went after his brother. First thing, went and found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means the Christ. Right? Natural impl implication. If you come and see you want to go and tell. That's, that's, where, that's what's happening here. He goes, he finds his brother, someone who he loves, someone who's important to him, says, you've also got to meet this person. We found the Messiah. Messiah is, is in Christ, same term, Hebrew and Greek. All, they mean the anointed one. They mean the coming king. They mean the one that the people of Israel are waiting for. They've been waiting for this king, and he's come. And brother, you've got to see it. You've got to come meet this guy. You can't wait. Come and see. There's the invitation. There's the excitement the passion. And I love that ne this next line. It says, he, Andrew, brought him, Peter, to Jesus. He brought him to Jesus. Do you know every time Andrew's mentioned in scripture, he's bringing someone to Jesus? What a cool thing to be known for, right? Bringing people to Jesus. And Jesus looked at Peter. He knew Peter and said to him, you are Simon, son of John, and you shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Okay. So the first time I meet you, I say, uh, hi, by the way, your name is this, but I'm going to rename you that. A little odd, right? 
What's going on? Well, in this time, names are important. In fact, you're supposed to act and exemplify your name. And if you didn't act like your name, you should be renamed. So Jesus sees Peter, sees his name and says, yeah, I realize that's your name, but that doesn't describe who you really are. And Jesus doesn't see just who Peter is. He sees who Peter will be. He names him Petros, rock. And if you keep reading, you know, Peter ends up being the rock of the church, the leader of the disciples, right? You come and see Jesus, he changes you. He knows you. He sees you. And we hopefully go and tell others. Okay, so that's one. That's um, Andrew who went and found Peter. Let's keep reading. Because the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. And he, and that he is probably best described as Andrew again, he, Andrew, found Philip and said to him, follow me. And Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Again, same thing. We have that follow language, like, come be with me. Come abide. Come check out this guy. You've got to know him relationally. He's awesome. He's the Messiah. He's the one we've been waiting for, right? Excitement, this passion. Come and see. I can't wait to tell you. And then we have this interesting remark, right? Can you just kind of hear the little skeptical voice from Nathaniel? <laughs> Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Really? I mean, you know, it's kind of like, really? Do I really want to come and see that? And at first, I was, I, I was giving, when I first read it, I was giving Nathaniel a hard time. I mean, here's a skeptic, and I, I want skeptics to just believe on blind faith, right? That's kind of the idea. Maybe not really. I actually don't want that. But you kind of get this idea of, uh, well, why is, why is he doubting? And if you think about it, though, he's actually being a good student. He's caring about right answers. He's caring about truth. Because what do we know about the Messiah? He is predicted in the Old Testament that he will come from the city of Bethlehem. Oh, right. That's where Jesus was born. But that's not where he's from. Jesus was from Nazareth. So when Nathaniel hears this, he hears, oh, Nazareth, I'm not coming to see some Messiah from Nazareth. I know that the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. That's who I want to see. So Nathaniel's being a good skeptic. Just what he doesn't know is that, yeah, Jesus is from Nazareth, but he was born in Bethlehem. He is the Messiah. He is the king worth coming to see. He just doesn't know it, right? And even uh, just appreciated his, his honesty, asking the question, seeking truth, and then it says that Philip says to him, come and see. And I love that too, because some, some of us, if, if, the, if the call of what does it mean to believe means to follow Jesus and then to go and tell others of Jesus, when that happens, right, if you're like me, the hard part about that is then people ask you questions, right? And it's like, well, I don't know. I'm just gonna, I, I don't know the answer to all those questions. And even here, Nathaniel asks a good question, like what's coming out of Nazareth? But yet Philip he doesn't give him, well, here are the eight reasons according to the doctrine of why he was actually born in Bethlehem, right? He doesn't go that route. He doesn't try to convince him with all these answers and proofs. He says, you know what? I, I can't explain it all to you, but come and see the person of Jesus. Be, know Jesus. And by knowing Jesus, you'll, by coming and seeing, he'll do the talking. He'll do the convincing, right? There's the invitation. I can't explain it all to you. And maybe even as a couple side applications for some of us, first of all, for those of you who would consider yourself more skeptical, like you're not sure about the Christian faith, you're not sure about Jesus and his claims, you're not sure about the church, and you're definitely not sure about this guy up here preaching right now, right? There's a, there's a little bit of skepticism. For, first of all, thank you for your desire for truth. Thank you for seeking that out. And I would do not want to see any bit of that pushed to the side. Continue to pursue truth. Seek truth. I think you will find truth in Jesus. I think it's here. Keep, keep pursuing. And maybe also... For those of you who feel the need to, to, to go and tell your faith. 
And as that's going, and kind of this, this fear, don't worry about coming up with watertight arguments for every reason of the existence of God or what might happen. Invite them to come and know a person, right? Let them get to know you and invite them to get to know a person of Jesus. That's what we're called to. Bring them to Jesus. Okay, a couple, couple side comments there. So then Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him. And he said, Behold, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And I love this because that, that seeing language is all over, right? If you've been paying attention here, there's, there's a, Jesus saw Peter. Jesus saw the disciples following him. Jesus sees Nathanael. And he knows Nathanael. That's what's going on in the sight language. He says, An Israelite in whom there's no deceit. Again, Kind of a strange thing to maybe shout out at the first time you meet somebody. But what's going on here is answered for us previously in a prologue. Remember, Jesus came to his own, but his own did not receive him. His own are the, the Jewish people, the Israelites. Jesus came to them, but they have not received him. But to as many as did receive him, he gave the right to become children of God. Jesus is, came from, and he's saying those who are true Israelites, those who truly believe, or, or those who are true Israelites are those who truly believe. Nathaniel, you may have seemed like a skeptic here in this story, but you sought truth. I am the truth. You found me. You're going to be a true Israelite. That's what Jesus is saying to him. And even the deceived part, if we go back and study our scripture, the very first person to be called Israel was Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob was called Israel. And before his name was changed, again, there's that name change, he was known as a grabber or a deceiver. And he's saying, hey, here's an Israelite with no deceit, no more Jacob, but with a new name, a new person. He is a child of God, right? There's what's going on. Jesus sees Nathanael and knows him for who he is. Okay, so Jesus calls him. He knows him. And Philip says, how do you know me? That's what he's left with. Jesus, how do you know me? And Jesus says, before you under the fig tree, I saw you. And maybe something to kind of pull away from us here. If we are true, what does it mean to look like to believe? It means we follow Jesus, we tell others of Jesus, and maybe to kind of think of some application for us with that. One thing I would love for us to do and walk away with, think of one person who you know that you would like to begin praying for that they would know Jesus, right? One person, pray for them. Easy, tangible application this year. Have one person, you're praying that they might come and know Jesus. Okay, but then one of my favorite parts of this story is if you follow Jesus, if you come and see, if you go and tell others about Jesus, what people naturally happens to them when they encounter Jesus is this profession that Nathaniel makes, right? As he seeks the truth, as he is known by Jesus, here's what he says. Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And there's a lot going on here. As you remember, uh, um, Remember we mentioned earlier about the author convincing people that Jesus is both man and God? And we have that right here. He says, Rabbi, which is a teacher, means a man, like flesh and blood. You are the son of God. You are God, you're divine, and you are my king, right? That's all happening right here. He's testifying. He's encountered Jesus. He knows that Jesus is. He's saying that. And we've got to do a little bit of work here for what it means to be a king. Because we are in America, and in America we're founded on a country that doesn't like kings. In fact, we decided we didn't want a king, and we're going to start our own country because we didn't want a king, right? So we're not too big in understanding kings or liking kings. But in Jesus' day and age, a king was important, to say the least, right? There was a king, and there was, there was one king, and that king was King Caesar. And Caesar, he was ruler of probably the greatest, um, greatest kingdom right now among the people, right? 
owned everything. And if Caesar said to do something and you didn't want to do it, you didn't want to give your allegiance to Caesar, well, that's fine. You're dead, right? That's how it works. Like you give your allegiance to Caesar or you're dead. That's how kings worked in Jesus' day and age. And just as that recognition of the king was there that Nathaniel now makes, that is our third point of those who believe see their king. They see their king. And for those of you doing Kids Connect, I have it a little, it's, it's different on the Kids Connect. Just fill it in like this. You can still have candy. I'm not going to keep candy from you. I, I want to be able to preach again. So anyway, that's the litmus test. So yes, there it is. Now, what's also interesting about this, the idea of a king, is this was uh, what the Jewish people were expecting. If you're alive during this day, the Jewish people were under captivity. They're under Roman rule. They've been promised a Messiah. They're waiting for a Messiah, a king to come, overthrow the Roman government, set the people free that they can worship the way they want, and have their own autonomy. Like, they're waiting for this king. And Nathaniel, when he sees Jesus, no doubt has that in his mind. Oh, King Jesus, you're my king. I'm going to give you my allegiance. I'm going to give you my life, my obedience. It's yours. You're my king, and you're going to set me free from this persecution this life here on earth. That's probably what's going on in his mind. But the irony is, that's not the type of king that Jesus is, right? Jesus is a different type of king. Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. Jesus didn't come to have a bunch of power and then exploit others. Rather, he came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus came as a humble servant, as a king servant who would die for his people and his kingdom was not to overthrow the Roman government. It was to conquer the ultimate enemies of sin and death, right? That's what Jesus came to do. And we see that clearly um, as the story of John unfolds as we keep working our way through when Jesus is on trial near the end of the book of John before Pilate. And Pilate says, are you king of the Jews? Which was the question of the day. Because again, the Jews are seeking a king and they want their king. And if, if the Romans think that this guy's king of the Jews, they're going to kill him, right? No, one, no king but Caesar is their thought. So the question of the day is asked, and Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. He basically is saying, I am a king. I am the king, right? I'm the king over a kingdom that you do not understand, that is greater than what you can imagine. That is the type of king that Jesus is, the irony of Jesus being a servant king. And so what I want you to hear when you hear this term See your king, right? Those who believe follow Jesus. Those who believe um, tell, us of Jesus, tell others of Jesus. And those who believe see their king. Well, this king is a person who is your savior and to whom you owe your allegiance. So the savior piece we already started to touch on, right? Like he came to, to, to save us, to conquer sin and death and in order that we might believe. But if we only emphasize Jesus as a savior, we tend to uh, turn into nominalism, right? It's just, it's just doing good things. But if we only emphasize allegiance to Jesus, the fact that we owe Jesus our life, we owe Jesus our obedience, we owe Jesus our everything. What he says goes. Where he leads, I will follow. Jesus is the Lord of my life. He is the priority, and all other things fall under King Jesus. That's important for us. And we struggle with that here in America, right? That's not the way we like to live. That's not the way I like to live. It's one of the first sins in the garden. Adam said, I want to do it my way, not your way. But we are all called to surrender our will, not my will, but your will be done, and to give allegiance to the king of kings, Jesus, King Jesus. But if we only emphasize that, 
and we don't emphasize the Savior, we can turn into legalism and just doing things, right? So when we see this king, we need both. We need the king who is our Savior and the king to whom we owe our allegiance. Both of those are there in this picture. King Jesus. And then I just love where this goes. As we, as we conclude and as we point to where this goes, after those things are said, Jesus tells Nathaniel, you will see greater things than these. You will see greater things than these. And that's actually what this book has been doing for us, the book of John, as it's been setting us up. We have these truth claims that Jesus makes. He is truly man. He is truly God. He's done these things in the prologue. And then we have the next chapters are seven signs and or seven wonders that Jesus performs to help people see that he is God. And then he does the ultimate sign and wonder. God, who is flesh, who became flesh, dies for his people. He dies on the cross and he doesn't just stay dead. He rises from the, grade, from the grave. These are the greater things that you will see. When you come and see Jesus, when you encounter this person, those are some of the greater things we'll see. We have access to God the Father. We are no longer alienated from God because of what Jesus did. These are the greater things. And I pray this morning that as we seek to ask ourselves, what does it look like to follow Jesus? What does it look like to believe? Well, it looks like following him, telling others of him, and it looks like seeing Jesus as our king, a king to whom we are invited to come and see. And so as we close this morning, I'd love for you to wrestle with that question the text has been asking us to wrestle with. Will you come and see this king of kings? Will you come and see King Jesus? Let's pray. Lord, we, Lord, I am awed that the King of kings and Lord of lords would come to earth, come to sinful men and die for us. Lord, thank you for that sacrifice of Jesus. Lord, thank you that he did not stay dead, but he rose from death, conquering death, defeating sin. Lord, I thank you that he is a king, a king greater than the one that I can imagine. Lord, I pray this morning that we would receive that invitation to come and see. Lord, I pray you would help us to know what it looks like to pursue you, not just head knowledge, and that we would be able to share that with others. And Lord, that we would see you as our king to whom we owe our allegiance, our savior and our, and our master. Lord, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, it's a joy to be with you here this morning. You know, as we think about the new year coming and kind of this old year behind us and new year goals, and maybe some of our thoughts are hopefully to live as one who believes in Jesus, um, we'd love to help you with that as a church. So our coming series starting next week, Reed's going to kick it off, um, is going to be entitled Simply Different, hoping that we can learn to live simply and hoping to learn that we can live different with our time, our talent, our treasure. And uh, maybe those are some of the tangible things you can do to come and see and in order to learn to, to continue to walk and to know Jesus. So we invite you to come back. Glad you're here with us this morning. Um, let me close this in a benediction of, of hope, kind of as a new year brings new hope and, and change. This benediction comes from Romans. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit may you abound in hope. Amen. Go in peace.